I Ed here, and in the second of our summer specials, we're talking to Callum Best. There's no actual football on at the moment, so we thought we'd dive back into the past. BT Sport have brought out a film called George Best, True Genius, and there's an accompanying book by friend of the show, Wayne Barton. And it looks back on George's greatest moments in a United shirt, starting with a player who joined at age 15 and culminating in the 68 Cup win. And I think it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice moment to reflect on the good moments from George's life, who would have been 75 on the 22nd of May, and not focus on, as George says, all the other nonsense. Anyway, this was a, a fun chat with Callum. I, I really hope you enjoy the film. Be, uh, it's called George Best, True Genius on BT Sport. You can get it on this app and uh, the various digital platforms. And here's my conversation. All right, so I have Callum Best with me here. He's the narrator for the brand new BT Sport film, George Best, True Genius, and um, supported the book of the same name by uh, Wayne Barton, friend of the show. Um, Callum, uh, really great to talk to you. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for having me. And how good is how good is Wayne as an author? He, he writes some. Yeah. Yeah, we've um, we've been. He's friend of the show for a long time, so um, he's talked about a number of his books on here, and I've known him for for many years. So yeah, it's great he could do this one that time. Yeah, I, I actually couldn't ask for a better scenario. Not only is he United Mad, but he also knew every detail about my dad there was to know, which made this whole experience that much enjoyable. Yeah, I the the film opened. So congratulations, by the way, on the film, um, and I'm sure people are really enjoy it so i believe it premieres the same day as united uh, europa league final and then it'll be on all the usual platforms and stuff um so it opens with him saying that he wants to be remembered for the football not all the other rubbish and it feels like that was the sentiment for the film you know not the other rubbish and just the football some really great moments and i bet you had a lot of fun looking through the archive which i'm sure you've seen a million times before but uh how did that make you feel going through all that uh, all that again and reliving the memories? I mean, you know what? I was really quite thrilled to share this story that was just the football. Um, sometimes I think about this personal journey I've been on with my old man and all these highs and all these lows. I mean, there's always there's no time that I'm never not proud and listening to a story and sharing a story it's, it's almost every day, whether it be at the barber or a black cabbie or whatever it might be, somebody comes to me with a story about my old man. And uh, when Wayne said he was doing this book and he just solely wanted to focus on like 1963 to 1969, this time that built my dad's reputation at United as, you know, the greatest footballer on the planet, I thought, yeah, I, I'm all over that. I've not done that personally. I've not actually spoke about that for a long time or seen it all put together so well. You know, I see clips of, you know, his goals in Northern Ireland. I see right. clips of the 1968. I see clips where he chips the, the, the keeper. I see all the clips, but I've never really put them in a timeline. And Wayne and uh, Tom at BT Sport did it absolutely beautifully. They put all of this story from my dad at like 15 years old up till 22, 23. And one thing I really love about what they've done is that they've made it really cool and really current for us to pass on to the next generation. Because, you know, I'm 40 years old and I'll speak to other, you know, United fans or football fans that are my age or younger or older. But I think how cool is it now that I have a, I have something to show the kids, show my kids, show football fans, kids to say, look at this time here. Look at this group of players and what they did. And I think it's really, really special. And I thought I'd actually seen all the goals and heard all the stories and Wayne, like I said, he, he comes out of nowhere with all these 
interviews and all this footage that I never even knew about. So for me, it was really enjoyable. And uh, I think I think we've done really well at focusing on the goodness here. And that was a big part for all of us making this film. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I'm uh, just a little bit older than you. And, and so I missed George's time in the game. And so, um, you know, I've relived his moments through archive as well. And I'm sure there's a brand new generation who probably might not have even heard of him. And this will this will bring it to, and you know, sorry to say, because of course they should have, but uh, life, modern life these days. Um, but I, I, do, I do think it brings out um, his, uh, his footballing genius um, beautifully. I mean, do you have any favourite stories on the pitch, favourite memories? Oh, I mean, I've got one that wasn't on the pitch and I don't know why this sticks to me, but I remember being about 15. Yeah. I probably shouldn't admit it. But I was 15 and we were at a bar on the King's Road called Henry J. Beans. And uh, I know yeah, you knew it. It's not there anymore. Well, I, I used to live in Fulham a few years back. So yeah, no, no the King's Road. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, he took me to all sorts of places on the King's Road. I remember there was Poochie Pizza. There was the Feeney Pub. I could go on and on and on. But something about this one moment I walked in and, you know, I, he, he was having his dry white wine with ice and I hadn't really drank in front of him before. And I was quite excited. And I said, Dad, do you mind if I go get a drink at the bar? And he said, yeah, go ahead, son, go ahead. So I went over to the bar and I came back and I sat with him. And I put my drink, my drink down and it was a pina colada. Yeah, it had a little straw and an umbrella and a pineapple slice. And he looked at me and he said, son, you're not sitting with me with that drink. And it made me go, oh, the one chance I had to be cool in front of my dad. And I bring back this holiday drink that has an umbrella and a pineapple in it. And he went, nope. He was a real hard old school Irishman. It's either a whiskey or nothing, son. And at that point I went, wow, I just completely embarrassed myself. But we move on, you know. Goals wise, sorry, goals wise, um, I know his favorite one was against Chopper Harris. I know that goal's played a lot, but you know when I look at that game, or when I look at this film, for example, and I see this little Irishman, and he was such a little guy, going up against some of the biggest players, some of the most brutal tackles, and he just rode them all out. And I remember he said to me that you know he, he beat Chopper Harris, and Chopper came up to him and he said, "George, if you do that again, I'm going to break your legs." So my dad went, got the ball from the other side of the pitch, brought it back over, beat him again, scored the goal, and just showed off really you know yeah watching watching the archive and and uh, my co-host and I um watched a lot of archival football um during the uh pandemic lockdown first first one when there was no football be- actual football being played and it almost feels like a, a different sport um not just for the pace of the game which is very different from modern football but also for the the brutality of the tackles and and it's notable that George he gets hit and then gets up again, and then gets hit, and then gets up again. Um, and it's kind of fascinating to watch. How, how do you think he'd do in modern football uh, with the, being, the protection from the refs being so much greater? Oof. I mean, I, th- that is the question I, I'm asked the most. Or how much do you think your dad will be worth now? But I think he just had that gift, that special something that could have played at any point. You know, you look at that ball, you look at the pitches. And I know people say all this stuff, but it is a case of imagine that how they played now. I look at some of those games, you know, with Dennis Law and Bobby Charlton and Nobby Styles and Patty Crown, and I think, God, what a unit that would be on a modern day pitch right now. Wouldn't that be great to watch? So I think my dad just had that special gift. He, I think he became the best player in the world because he could do it at any point at any time against anyone. And I think that's really, really cool. Of course, um, you know, him and your mum met um, when he played for Los Angeles Aztecs or or, uh, or the uh, or the Earthquakes. I'm not sure, but uh, he spent a lot, a lot of years in the, in the states um at towards the end of his career um which which introduced him to a, a new audience stateside as well as 
as well as those in the UK. I mean, do you, do you, do you feel he's sort of known um, over in the US? Because there's a new generation of fans, I, you know, uh, many people on the pod know um, I live over here now. There's a new generation of fans who, who are soccer mad, yeah. football mad, um, aren't there? Yeah, there, it's, it's, it's huge there now. And I remember it was uh, LA Aztecs that you, you were bringing up there. In, I think it's 1979, I'm sure many of your listeners know, but when there was that wave where they tried to bring over Beckenbauer and Cruyff and Pele and Best to try to boost the, the soccer or the football. And I don't think it actually went down so well, but I remember my dad telling me a story about how he became friends with Elton John because Elton John was the chairman of the LA Aztecs. So there was this big English and European invasion. And then my dad was at LA Aztecs and he went to San Jose Earthquakes, which is where I was born, which is why I sound like such a yank because I've lived there for 20 years of my life. But uh, I think that he went to Los Angeles to to get away from the madness that he was dealing with here. And it, it sometimes blows my mind that if it was you know mad at that age, when he was still probably late 20s, early 30s, what it must have been like for the next 20 years of his life. But I think he went there because he wasn't known. And I think now, he, I know worldwide his name is still fully recognized, but I think Americans not so much. And that's why also this film is quite cool for me because you can keep that legacy alive and and show what he did to anybody that now is football mad in America, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's nice. And um, because because it's, uh, you know, this new generation, it's a very young young generation of, of, of soccer fans um, here in the States, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they'll, uh, they'll get to be introduced to, to George. Um, one of my favourite moments, changing tack a little bit in the film, was where Sir Matt Busby and Joe Mercer um, are talking live on TV. City have won the 68 title and Sir Matt congratulates him and Joe wishes him best for the 68 final, which, of course, you know, George was the star of. Um, and I couldn't help but think about the contrast uh, would Pep and Ollie go on TV to have a bit of banter after United win the title next year and City a second? I can't imagine it, but it would be fun. Wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? I actually love that scene. BT Sport today put that clip out because it, it obviously, you know, people watch that and go, oh, that's great. You can t- you can sense the sarcasm, but also the real respect that was showed between each other. You know, he's saying, well done on the thing, but don't you forget, we're going for Europeans. Yeah. You, you better not forget that one. I think that Sir Matt Busby was absolutely incredible. And I think that what that team went through with Busby Babes, and then I think it's great that this story shows that after the tragedy with the Busby Babes, that, you know, when my dad came into this team and they kind of rebirthed this new light into the team, I, I think the whole story is actually quite beautiful about how it was done. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a great story. Of course, um, today uh, United are sort of revitalizing again. I mean, not quite from the the tragedy of 58 um, and the success that George then brought, but from a slightly different tragedy, Sir Alex Ferguson retiring. Um, but there's the European final, and uh, I don't know how closely you follow United or today's football, but, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on the, the current team and where it's headed and that, that kind of direction? Yeah, mate, I'm a Man United mad fan, have been for my whole life. You know, I uh, although I did grow up in the States, it's something that I've watched religiously and follow as much as I can and uh yeah I think Sir Alex Ferguson leaving was big enough a big enough tragedy but I'm a fan of Ole I'm a fan of where the team's going you know but you look at some powerhouses like City right now and go wow like for for a team to come up and match and beat that is going to be really tricky but we're Man United and it's going to happen and it's bound to happen and you know we're, we're the best club in the world so it's uh it's only a matter of time it's just trying to put all the pieces together I think we're young and 
you know, not quite there yet, but on the right path to get there. You know, they're talking about new signings coming up. Some people are talking about Harry Kane. Do you think Harry Kane's coming to the club? Uh, I I mean, mm. the the cynical part of my brain says he might do. I mean, you know, of course, great player. And, and uh, um, as, um, as we said, I'd, I'd rather money was on the pitch than in yeah. the bank. Um, uh, but I wonder if that purchase is made. Is it, is it really what the actual team yeah, needs? Yeah. And given there will be a limited budget this year, but uh, you know, do you have do you have favourite players, or or I mean, to ask this in a kind of hypothetical question, what what sort of players would George like? I mean, he was he was such a carefree player, and there aren't too many of those left today, are there? No, there's not at all, and I think that's why so many people liked him because he was a bit of a rebel, you know. And uh, and I always think about that contrast of Sir Bobby, who was quite uniformed, and then my dad, who was like this kind of rebellious player. But I remember, you know, as much as my dad would give credit to players I think he really quietly loved being the guy you know he he was an old school Irishman he'd sit at the bar by himself mind his business but I think when it came down to the football he was like don't you forget me but I do remember when I first came over to United from from the states my first game I was about 11 I think and uh my dad kept singing Ryan Giggs's praises like I think that was the first interview I saw where he openly said I really really like this player you know um but for me I like that that those years teams as well. I was a big fan of Skulls and Giggsy. And that was when I started really watching United um, as coming from the States. And I remember when I went to United when I was a lot younger and I gathered this ball and I got all these players to sign, you know, Beckham and Giggs and Skulls and Neville and all these people. And uh, I went back to the hotel we were staying at and I ended up kicking the ball around the streets on the floor and scuffed it all up. And I would think to myself, damn, I wish I'd kept that and put that somewhere special because it had some great names on it. But I think my dad be rooting for United no matter who played for him. You know, I think once it's in the blood, it's in his blood. That's the only thing he wanted to do. And I know that when he moved on from United, he literally chose teams that wouldn't go against United for that reason. And I got some tweet yesterday from Dunstable FC, and I was it made me giggle because he was. They messaged me and they said, "Calum, if you're ever around, please come." to our game. And I looked and I was like, wow, it's crazy that only a few years after United, when he was an incredible peak player, he went and played two games for this completely unknown side at the time. But I think that stuff's actually quite cool that he went to, to share his to share his goodness wherever he could, really, you know? Yeah, I think um, people forget, actually, uh, George had 10 fantastic years at United, you know, more than 400 games. Very, very few players in the history of the club have played that many games or scored that many goals for the club and and um I think sometimes the the narrative of he burnt out and faded away isn't isn't quite right really he had a very long time at united and and so many goals and games um and then uh, you know a fun career after he left as you mentioned LA um uh, San Jose played in Australia I think for a game or two um <laughs> I, I mean um, how, how much did you follow of that period of his life obviously you were very young um, and, and was it more like when you grew up, you, you got to sort of reacquainted with his football? Yeah, that's ex- exactly it. I mean, from, you know, from an early, you know, 10 years old, I'd say I started watching videos and clips and starting to really understand, you know, the power of what my dad had created, but I never really followed a, uh, a journey. I just was, I wasn't around for his football time. Obviously I just was a once I started to understand it more, I knew I was going to watch every video and every clip and, and I remember one day I was when I lived in the States, you know, football was not even on the agenda for growing up there. You know, it came like 10th in line when it came to sports. 
But I remember one day just instinctively I went, I want to play football. And I went out and I kicked the ball around and I, I was quite good and I really enjoyed it. So it just showed me there was something genetically there in the blood that made me go, I like this sport. I like this game. And I remember when I was probably 17 or 18, I thought, I, I think I'm good enough to do this. And when I look back at, as in to go pro, but I look back in hindsight and go, God, at 15 years old, the level of 15 year olds in, you know, Uruguay or in, or in England, for example, were 10 times better than me. So it wasn't the quite same caliber, but you know, what could you do? Yeah. I, I wasn't much good at football either. And, and I didn't have the genetics, um, that would help me. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we are what we are in life. Um, so um, it would have been George. On, uh, on that note, I do remember thinking to myself, okay, well, if I can't be a legendary footballer, what can I do to match my dad? Ah, I'll be a legendary party animal. <laughs> so I chose that road for many, many years. And then I realized, hold on, this is an unhealthy one. I can't stay at that. So luckily I nipped that one in the butt, came to peace with a lot of things. And now here we are talking about the goodness, not the badness, you know? Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's good. It's, yeah. It would have been George's 75th birthday um, just a couple of days ago um, as we record this. And, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a great pity he's he's not around to to celebrate that. But um, th- this film gives us a chance to sort of relive those 75 years or the the core part of his life that people are remembered for. And I think you'd be proud of this film, too. I do, too, mate. And I think that, you know, a lot of things have come together quite well for the time of this film. I don't know if I've said that already, but with his birthday being just now, you know, and last time United won the treble and the night of the Europa final, it's like, it's a beautiful thing to me. You know, I think it's all kind of come together quite well. And I love the fact that after United win, people can then go straight into a film of my dad and keep that joyous moment, that legacy moment alive, you know, so... We're really, really excited. I think people are going to enjoy it. There's a story to be told, and it's all pieced together beautifully. And uh, for anybody who's watching that shares it with their kids, I think the kids will be blown away as well. Awesome. Yeah, well, you know, uh, good luck to United. This this is going out just after the, the Europa League final, so uh, we'll know the result then. But um, I, I imagine United are going to win. They are the, the better side here, and... I imagine George would have been uh, proud of the the direction this uh, this team's going right now. So, look, congratulations, many congratulations on the film um, and uh, and the new book. Um, I'm sure people will uh, really enjoy it. And um, you know, I've uh, enjoyed talking to you about your your moments reliving um, George's past here, and uh, I'm sure it's been a great journey for you. Yeah, thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. The book was written by Wayne Barton, true genius, and it's because of his book that this film had been brought to life. So I'm just happy to share a bit of a personal touch with the narration on it. And uh, it's a beautiful time of football played by some incredible men and one being the best player in the world. And that was my dad. So really happy about that. Well, thank you very much. And um, 26th of May, 10.30 airs and uh, this is going out after. So um, everyone else can catch you on the BT Sport app and website. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure fans around the world will uh, will enjoy it. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on.